Welcome to the Live From Rest podcast, episode 16, in which I chat with American author Heather Kaliri. Amongst other things, we look at how the practice of Sabbath helps us overcome anxiety. I'm Steve Smith, your host and the author of the Live From Rest app. Each week in this podcast, we take time to explore the ancient art of being. We host conversations, short talks and reflections about how we can live from rest in a world full of busyness and distraction. We created the Live From Rest app because we needed it. And I think you might need it too. If you haven't done so already, please make sure that you go to the App Store or to Play Store and download it today. Discover meditation rooted in the way of Jesus and a life of peace with freedom from anxiety, worry, and strife. Just over a week ago, I had the privilege and pleasure of interviewing Heather Kaliri. Heather is an author living in San Diego who writes for various magazines, including Relevant Magazine. And she has also authored a free downloadable ebook about overcoming anxiety, which you can get free from her website, heatherkaliri.com. Kaliri is spelt C-A-L-I-R-I, heatherkaliri.com. I recently came across one of Heather's excellent articles and decided I needed to track her down for one of our interviews. So here is the recording. Well, hello, Heather. It is so good to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here with you. Good. Well, I loved your story. I'm really hoping that we're going to hear what you wrote in your article that I found on the internet. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and where you're from. Yeah, so I am a writer. I'm based in San Diego, California, and I really write a lot about the awkward places of faith, including anxiety. For a long time, I struggled a lot with anxiety and found, just felt like a Christian failure. And mm -hmm. I, talking to other Christians, that sense of failure in different areas of our life, whether it's areas of sin or of lack of community or of doubt, I used to think that those areas needed to be kind of erased. Mm -hmm. And as God really led me into more healing, I realized that when I was really honest about those areas of awkwardness with God, not only did I feel less shame, but it started uh, sort of ushering healing into my life. So I really love writing about those awkward areas, the things that people don't like to talk about, and trying to show how that honesty with God really brings healing into our lives. Yeah, absolutely. That whole subject of being honest with God is something that we've, we've um, considered. My wife is really interested in that. Maybe we can get back to that very subject. Mm. But I, I loved that article that you wrote on, on Sabbath. And mm. Sabbath is something that we're really keen on in Live From Rest. I think it's just a crucial part of what God wants for us. And what I'd love you to share, if you'd be happy to do so, Heather, is your story that, that you shared on in that article about how you were struggling with anxiety and how Sabbath in particular helped you overcome your anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it started about six years ago. Um, 
I had read a little bit about Sabbath on uh, three different writers that I admired. And at the time, I was still really in this, like, I've got to be a good Christian for Jesus mode. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that attitude. I was very sincere, very earnest in my faith. And, you know, starting a Sabbath seemed like a really great way to show God that, you know, faith was important to me and also to just have this day of contemplation and rest. So I'll tell you, I, I started this Sabbath practice. I was, um, I had two small kids at the time. They were three and six. And, you know, my husband decided that he didn't want to do it with me. Um, so I'm like, okay, I will take a break from doing the, from, you know, cleaning up the house. I'll take a break from my computer, from social media, from writing. You know, I'll still take care of my kids because they weren't going to go away. And I just thought, okay, this day of rest, of time off, is just going to make me feel so holy. Mm. I'm going to feel really peaceful. It's going to be awesome. And I have to tell you, about 15 minutes in, I was like, oh my gosh, where is my computer? I need to huh. stare at Facebook for a while. <laughs> mm. I was so itchy. I mean, even suddenly all of the clutter on my floor, I'd never before felt like I needed, you know, that I was motivated to clean it. I just did it out of obligation. But suddenly all of the clutter just looked like this really interesting project that I needed to go take care of. And I realized how, you know, I I was just so surprised because, um, you know, I know that you do um, some work with addiction recovery. I realized that my busyness was really an addiction. Yeah. And that constantly being busy had covered up how much I depended on my activities, my tasks, my to-do list to feel like I was worth something. If I wasn't doing anything, if I didn't have something to do, I really didn't know who I was. And I, I was so shocked. I was so shocked. All of these tasks that I had kind of begrudgingly done or thought, oh, I've got to fit it in. I realized how much I had actually been depending on them to really feel like I was beloved and that I was, mm-hmm. I had some sort of sense of worth in the world. So that was really eye-opening. And um, I thankfully decided to stick with it. The fact that I felt so addicted to this, um, to this activity really scared me. So I decided that I needed to stick with this day off. And I didn't, at first, the anxiety kind of ramped up because I just felt so itchy. I didn't know what to do with myself. But as the weeks went on, I noticed that maybe I felt itchy on Sabbath, but for the rest of the week, I had such an expanded sense of perspective on my work, whether it was caring for my kids, whether it was cleaning my house, whether it was writing things online. I had this sense of these things are important, but I also can stop doing them. It stopped being this thing like these constant shoulds that were that were going through my head 24-7, the to-do list that I kind of always had in the back of my head running nonstop. I realized when I stopped that one day a week, I started realizing that all those things were optional. That, in fact, I could choose to do them, that they were an invitation into deeper engagement with the world or with caring for my family or whatever, but that they didn't, they weren't me, right? I was separate from the things that I did. And that was a really important shift for me. Mm. Um, Just being, you know, coming out of um, a very performance-driven background, it was such a, a light bulb moment for me to realize that my worth was not my work, yeah. 
that I myself was a whole person who existed, even if I wasn't doing anything, that God was present with me. And not only that, but as I was working less hard, I felt the healing in my life getting bigger. (laughs) I had always thought, you know, the harder I work at being a good Christian, the more like, you know, if I start this Sabbath and I work really hard at Sabbath, then God will bless me through that. And instead it was actually, as I scaled down, as I tried less hard to be the kind of Christian I thought I needed to be, God entered into that empty space that I left and gave me power that was beyond my imagining, that healed places that I hadn't even realized Mm. needed to be healed. So, um, you know, I've continued, it's now six, seven years later, and I still continue with um, Sabbath rest. And, you know, I love the name of your app, Mm -hmm. you know, Live From Rest, because it's so true when that, when I had that habit every week of, you know, beginning the week, with rest, with silence, with stillness. And believe me, that is a tricky thing for me. It's not like it's an easy, you know, I have that whole thing figured out, but just that, just starting towards that goal, everything else shifts in perspective. I, I just feel so much more of a sense of groundedness and that I just don't have to be anxious about things because God is really the power behind everything. And it's not really up to me in every area of my life to make things perform optimally. That's really God's work. Mm, that's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I'm really interested in what you've said, a whole number of things. One, one is, is, is the challenge that, that Sabbath has brought to your sense of worth and to your identity. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a bit ironic, isn't it, that when you're actually trying to do something to help you resolve that, the thing that you're trying to do in itself can be a snare. Because you're all... <laughs> that is the story of my life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, you're snared by the very thing that you're trying to use to escape from this performance driven way of living. And yes. it's a challenge. It's, it's a challenge in worship, isn't it? When we're just so conscious of what we're doing and how we're doing it for the benefit of other people. And that whole idea of being purpose-driven, being driven by what God wants for you rather than being driven by performance for the benefit of other people is such a major challenge, isn't it? It really is. And I think as, as I, as God heals me, I I realize like, it's not like I should be totally disengaged and passive, right? That's kind of the tension. Mm -hmm. I need, there is a sort of, we need to have some sort of intention, right? And that's why I think that spiritual practices like Sabbath are so helpful because it's just, it's it's enough of a container for us to show up, enough of a set of rules that we know somewhat what it is that we're doing. We can actually start something, but the intention and the showing up is pretty much all that's required, right? Like I don't need to do Sabbath perfectly to gain the benefits of Sabbath. The mm. point is to show up with as imperfect of a set of circumstances that I've got, you know, whether it's Sabbath, whether it's prayer, whether it's sitting in stillness for five minutes, we are not going to show up and perfectly do those things. And we're not mm-hmm. going to show up and leave all of our self-consciousness and all of our sense of anxiety behind. The good news is we can show up as is and yeah. just being present in our imperfections and admitting that they're there is enough for God to enter in with with perfection and with power and with grace. 
and to transform that little tiny mustard seed of an offering that we have into something that's life-giving for us. Um, it's not up to us to do the work. It's really just showing up and with our hands open. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder whether there's a, well, I believe that there's a spiritual dimension to Sabbath that's maybe something along the lines of being sacramental. Hmm. You know, it's something we do, it's an action that you can describe and you can see it as a physical act, but there's something that happens at a, at a spiritual level that transcends the physical, I believe. What I'm getting at is, is just the way that it's been so healing in a way that, that you can't really explain hmm. from what you've described. I, I just, it sounds to me like God has move, moved in. You've shown up and then God has moved in and done the healing. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's not something you can simply explain. No, and, and it's really it's really mysterious how that works. Like I'm really, like my rational brain really can't understand why me showing up or me doing less actually brings more healing into my life. That doesn't, that math does not add up for me, you know? Yeah. But I think there's something really powerful in scripture about, you know, from the very beginning of the Bible, Sabbath rest is this crazy pattern that shows up. You know, yeah. um, my church is reading through um, the Old Testament right now, and we're we're in the chapter about manna, and how manna is provided, and double portions are provided so that they can have a Sabbath rest. And it doesn't make sense to those people either. They are literally having bread raining down from heaven, and they still feel like they need to game the mystery in order to you know have enough for themselves through the day of rest. You know, they need to they need to store up stuff, and I really feel like the God that we worship from the very earliest point in scripture all the way through Christ is just saying, rest, rest, rest. And we do not understand that. It is such a powerful part of this faith that we're invested in. Absolutely. Any comments on the practicalities of doing a Sabbath? You've got a busy family. Yes. So I guess Sundays is not always the easiest day for a Sabbath. Yeah, you know, for my family, it works. But I mean, I know people who are in ministry where Sabbath, you know, Sunday is their busiest day of, day of the week. Um, I know families where, you know, maybe if your partner doesn't share your faith, managing an entire day of rest might be hard or people who are caregivers. Like when I had really young kids, a lot of my work was 24-7, whether I said it was Sabbath or not. And that's uh -huh. just natural. I really think that, um, you know, I mentioned in the article that in my church, uh, they talk about tithing in, the point is not to magically arrive at tithing 10% of your income. The point is to get started, right? Mm -hmm. So if you had just an hour, even 15 minutes, where you intentionally said during this time, however small it is, I want to abstain from one thing, two things, whether it's social media, whether it's doing the dishes, whatever really mm. seems to be the biggest burden. And just to start small. I sure. think so much of my spiritual growth has been letting myself, giving myself permission to show up imperfectly, right? So if uh, a full day sounds overwhelming, then let's lower the bar <laughs> as far absolutely. down as we need to go. Like five minutes is better than nothing. And once you start with five minutes, if it's blessing you, move on to 10 minutes or to an yeah. hour or to half a day. 
And I really feel I actually I was inter- I was asking some friends about their experience with with Sabbath, and one of my friends said, you know, I realized that I had so many rules about what Sabbath had to be in my head that she had never really fully articulated to herself. And she's like, when you asked me about it, I kind of went through that list of rules and realized like, if I hold on to all of these things, I will never get started. She's like, I need to start with where I can start and let that be good enough. So Mm. I think, you know, I really think it's freeing when Jesus said, you know, man is not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for man. We are allowed to begin where we are and ask Jesus to bless the little bit that we can show up with and let that be good enough. Yeah, that's brilliant. You you mentioned two writers that you you've read regarding Sabbath. Can I ask their names? Yeah. So one of the people that really um really put together the link between anxiety and um Sabbath for me was Walter Brueggemann. He's an Old Testament scholar and just a really excellent writing writer, although um his writing is dense. I will give you that. He's a theologian. Um, his, he has a, a book called Sabbath as Resistance that really talks about, I mean, it's, it's a political book, the idea of taking a break um, from our work. You know, our work often has political dimensions. You know, it, it yeah. connects us to the, the society that we're in. And that's both a wonderful thing and a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in my, in my culture, um, it's very hard even to start a conversation with somebody without without asking what they do for a living, right? It's yep, hard for absolutely. us to it's know each are, other. Yeah, so it is really it can really be a political act, yeah. a, an act of re- resistance to sort of the the common denominator of our culture to step back from work in a healthy way. And I really think that Brueggemann does a brilliant job of explaining that. Um, okay. the other person that I would really recommend that's more of a lay, uh, I mean, she's a minister, but she really writes, um, from a more lyrical and less theological perspective. She, um, her name is Barbara Brown Taylor. Uh, she was a minister in, an Episcopal minister for a long time. And now she just writes, um, she has a book called an altar in the world, which is sort of a reimagining of a bunch of different spiritual, um, I'm sorry, spiritual practices, mm-hmm. um, kind of taking traditional practices and looking them, at them in a new life, um, in a new light. And Sabbath is one of those things um, okay. that she reexamines. So I would really recommend both of those authors for people oh, who are interested really in interesting. learning more. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll get, I'll get those names and we will put them on the, on the text that comes with this podcast. So if anybody wants to look up those names, they can. I was wondering whether you had come across Shelley Miller, who writes on Sabbath. No, I haven't. No. I'll have to okay. check, check that out. We're interviewing uh, Shelley next week, as it happens. And Shelley talks about baby steps. It's just exactly mm. what you were saying. So start small, because we can be so overwhelmed by a task that sometimes we just don't even consider starting it. Whereas the, the key is just to, just to start, to show up, just as you say. Just to start. Absolutely. And, and baby steps are the first thing we need to do and who knows what it might lead to. Mm-hmm. This is so good, um, Heather. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that I'll probably need to talk to you again because you've got so much to say. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your book. And I, I, what I'm going to do is maybe you could just give us a brief overview of your book and then maybe we could talk about that on another occasion. Absolutely. So I wrote a a short mini course in uh, managing anxiety. It's called 
five tiny ideas for managing anxiety. And it really stemmed out of my lifelong struggle with anxiety, um, which the very first part of that struggle was not even realizing that how anxious I was, which I think is the case for a lot of people. Um, Basically, the point of the course is moving from a sense of shame that we are anxious to a sense of acceptance and even to seeing anxiety as a way that God can help us be discerning about our lives and about things that are not going well in our lives. Um, For me, anxiety really usually points to um, broken relationships or feeling dread about things that I don't really want to be honest about. And when I pay attention to anxiety rather than shoving it away, I actually have been able to, I really believe this, and this just seems like the strangest thing to say. I feel like the Holy Spirit can often use my anxiety to let me know that something's not right and that I need to do something about it. Whereas before, you know, there's that classic verse uh, that Paul says, you know, do not be anxious about anything. And I used to think that that meant that if I felt anxiety, I should get rid of it as quickly as Mm -hmm. possible and try to shove it away. And instead, I think Paul is saying, pay attention. If you're feeling anxious, something's Mm -hmm. wrong and you need to go address it. You know, you need to go after your brother, you know, leave your leave your offering at the altar, run after your brother and make sure things are okay. Or you need to pay attention to your body. You need to deal with brain chemistry problems. You need to get therapy. You need to talk with somebody who you feel upset with. There are all kinds of things that we can do do to deal proactively with anxiety. And the book really tries to step people through some of the lies that they might be telling themselves about anxiety, some of the the self-care techniques that they might use to Mm -hmm. just care for themselves kindly rather than shaming themselves. And I've, I've really been blessed by the response by it, uh, the response to it. And also writing it was really cathartic because I realized how far I had come from just feeling this unease all of the time to actually inviting God into it and have it be transformed into something that, um, you know, ha- helps me actually make my life better, you know, to, to go from feeling this blind sense of despair or unease all the time to realizing like, oh, something's wrong. My body is telling Mm. me something is wrong. And now I I actually have tools to go and do something about it. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I don't think there's time to to scratch the surface of that just now, but that's something (laughs) that I know affects so many people. And I would love to discuss that with you. I mean, I know that I've been on a journey myself with anxiety at different times, and it's just so good to talk about it and and address the issues that uh, we have and how we can overcome them. So maybe, Heather, we can talk on another occasion and talk about your book and talk about anxiety as a subject in itself. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so good to connect. Across the yeah, uh, likewise. The it's miles. a real honor to be on your show. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye for now, Heather. Bye. I do hope you found that interview helpful. And a reminder: you can get access to some of Heather's writings, including her free downloadable ebook on anxiety, on her website, which is heathercaleri.com. And you can, of course, also connect with her through social media. And if you haven't done so already, do please make sure you download our free app entitled Live From Rest. 
Do make sure that you listen to the first of our series of Meditations with Song using the great song by Orphan No More called Even Now. So thanks for joining us and we look forward to seeing you very soon. Bye for now.